0: Hi right, guys, what is up? Welcome back to The Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey, and today we are joined by Charlotte and Simo. Say what's up. Hi. Hello. And I'm not going to lie to you guys, this is our third attempt at this podcast. Um, I don't usually say my mistakes, but there you go. It's um, failed quite a few times, but that's whatever. So the question I'm going to ask first, what I ask everyone, is what makes you a creative? And I'm going to ask you first, Charlotte. So what makes you a creative?
1: Yeah. So I have a strong past within the creative industry, within graphic design and photography. Um, but when I, was, when I was in school, I always loved doing art, even though I wasn't very good at it, um, and kind of found that creative subjects were my niche and my way to like show off how I feel within a photo and art, if that makes any sense.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, you express yourself in photos exactly.
1: 100%. exactly
0: good way of um good way of expressing yourself as a creative 100 percent um Simo, what about you
2: uh i think having such creative background in sort of uh photography as well as uh just having general creativity and innovation within people skills it allows you to sort of expand into many different sort of sectors not only just sort of creative as in art photography it allows you to be a lot more of a diverse person
0: yeah no definitely and i'm going to ask you about um a bit later about what else you do but first uh charlotte um i'd like to ask your experience in the in the esport industry as this um this podcast has turned less into a creative podcast and more into an esport podcast so (laughs) um yeah so just your overall experience in the esport industry what are some of your like favorite moments
1: um, so I joined the esports industry when I was about 15. I started off really, really young within the industry, um, first in like social media roles and like various marketing roles um, within like CS:GO organizations and everything like that. Um, but definitely, my favourite moments have been since I moved into photography and more professional esports career paths. Um, one of my favourites was definitely shooting the FACEIT Major in 2018 which was one of the highlights of my life.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. was um, a big event. Yeah,
1: that was an amazing event, um, as well as attending, you know, CWL, things like that. Networking is one of my highlights ever. Like, I love going to LANs and just speaking to everyone and get to know people. It's great. Yeah, yes. I'd say that, that's the highlights for me.
0: Definitely. Um, yeah, no, uh, spe- especially um, the atmosphere of lands. I think. It's one of my favorite oh, parts yeah the it. atmosphere of um i've only been to a few events because mm-hmm. you know i'm only 18 i started back when i was 16 so i know how hard it is in the esport industry when you're yeah, very rough. young it is rough when everyone's older and more experienced <laughs> than you i still have that now to be fair like every single event i go to or any media day i look to my right and joe joe brady's just standing there somehow he, he's, there. Oh, I he's love him
1: so much he's, he's everywhere
0: yeah i love him it's great He's um, such a
1: good friend of mine, he's been like a massive support, like when I first joined the industry as a photographer, especially, he was such a, a great supportive character to my career,
0: he's a yeah.
1: really
0: great guy. He's, yeah, he's great, I've seen him quite a few times, I'd love to get him on a podcast one day, you know Joe, if you want to respond to my message you'll be great, but <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's all good, one day I'll get him on the podcast. Um, so Simo, I know you're a uh, photographer, but you also do other things. In uh, the esport industry, uh, would you like to explain that tiny
2: bit? Uh, yeah, so I'm an expansion manager for one of uh, the UK esports org called Aura. Um, I basically oversee a lot of the direction of the esports org as well as sort of planning for future content. Um, it's something that, like you've touched on before, creativity, you have to have that sort of uh, spark to say, okay, this is a project how do we want to get this to a main stage? Um, There's a lot of diversity in the people that you meet in esports. It's one of those sort of areas within an industry where a lot of people have a lot of different ideas. And I think, Charlotte, one of the main things that sets you apart from, say, for instance, Joe Brady, is you've got that sort of ingenuity to say you've got you can look at a scene and take a photo, whereas a lot of people sort of have to plan it ahead of time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm very similar to Joe in that respect. We <laughs> we get very, very similar shots, which is not a bad thing whatsoever. We really, we bounce off of each other when we work events together. Um, so it's great to have someone, you know, hopefully, Tom, you'll be at the side of me with these projects as well soon, but it's always great to have people that you bounce off of creatively around you when shooting an event and things like that.
2: 100 percent
0: yeah i think it's um very important um especially when you just said about the differences between for example you and joe Brady. because when it comes to esport photography i feel like i think i touched on this a few episodes ago it's difficult being an esport photographer because i feel like there's a lot of photographers in the esport industry as in it's a flooded market at the moment and you know at the end of the day most like 90 percent of them including myself we, are, we all get roughly the same like same angles because we have the same access to things and you really do got to be you got to put your own creative spin on it I think especially when it comes to like the editing room I think is a major part of each oh, sure. photographer because you all get the same shots at the end of the day because you can't you yeah. can't really do much different you know you got a few photographers who have a bit more access than others um definitely. like cdl i don't get me wrong loved cdl but it was horrific for media paths like as in i couldn't go anywhere without getting told off by the stewards like yeah I don't know how you had your i don't know what your experience was like in cdl uh london
1: um yeah i mean it was quite limited It it definitely varies event to event like, um, it depends how closely you're working with the host of the actual major, let's say. So like with the Faceit major, I was very lucky, as well as Joe Brady to have the pit access, but a lot of photographers within the industry didn't. And that really, I, I mean, there was a lot of speaking about how much that was frustrating people, because it really did limit the shots that people were able to get. But I think there's always a way around it. As in it, not breaking the access barrier but there's always creative ways to get the same shots but from a different angle from where you're able to access it and i think that's the thing to look for if you aren't able to get to the place you want to get to
0: yeah or you could do or you can do what i do because i am very very short i can what i did a lot is actually i sneaked under the barriers in cdl london and stewards didn't even see me which is great because (laughs) uh i tried to do that but you know he's pretty tall so it didn't work but the thing is uh yeah to get like 90 percent of my shots in cdl london would genuinely pass the barrier because i was there more doing uh videography anyway and when you record video you need a lot of space and there just wasn't yeah. any like you couldn't yeah. you uh, it was i don't think it was a great event for photographers really I thought it was a really difficult event to shoot at because you'd rather have to stand next to the crowd which was difficult because you know they're all cheering on their their team which is fair enough or you'd have to get like really awkward angles and i I don't know i I just felt like it was a meh event i felt like epic land actually had a better access to photographers in my opinion you go anywhere you wanted
1: so one thing you do have to remember with the higher tier um majors and things is the, the access will always get slimmer. So the higher up, um, I mean, as I said, unless you're working directly with the company that hosts in the event, they have to be super careful with insurance policies and things like this. So no, when course. it comes to like limiting who can get into the pit for let's say, for, for example, um, obviously, within the pit, you've got pyrotechnics and things like that, anything can go wrong. So the reason that they limit it is just for health and safety reasons, and also to stop it being so crowded, they're paying their main photographer for that that shot that they want, and they don't want everyone else to get that same shot. Yeah, so no, i yeah, I understand where they're coming from, but I also really do understand the frustration as well because it's yeah. definitely definitely got in the way for me in the past, but i I don't think it's going to change anytime soon, unfortunately.
0: No, I just think I feel sorry, not just for the you know us as the creatives, but at the end of the day, the owners and managers of the organizations pay a lot of money to give us media oh, passes yeah. which to be fair if i'm going to be honest with cdl london the only difference between that media pass was that we could sit in that room other from that there was no difference between a media and the, and just someone walking about yeah just a it, regular pass yeah it, it, yeah i mean don't get it wrong the medium was great you know you get you, you got to sit there editing while you saw pro players walking around. that was that was kind of cool but other from that i think it's i don't know I think they need to up the access for media passes because we're paid to do work at the end of the day we're not just a, a bystander watching the event
1: yeah for sure i mean i think as i said i don't i don't think it will change anytime soon but i think they will change the media access for sure or maybe i mean with the face it major for you had to have a very uh genuine like pass to show that you were actually part of the press to get a press pass i think it will get increasingly hard but with that i think the access will go up
0: oh i hope it does i mean yeah it was funny because the first the um the first like two hours of that event i didn't realize what i was doing because this was my first major event and it was very different from epic land because that was just one room but i was walking about and the the organ told me you realize there's a media room right i'm like is there and I went to the media room and originally they thought I was a kid. They didn't want to let me in originally until I showed in my media bars. Oh, that's um, that's painful honestly. That's going to oh, go no. on for like another 10 years I reckon. I
1: know the feeling, don't worry.
0: <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to switch up the question real quick um, so yeah. Simo can jump in as well because I remember we were talking about this. So Simo, you wanted to talk about how you opened up certain like key areas of your organisation.
2: Uh, Yeah, so for me, working within Aura, there was a lot of potential from because my background is heavily in sort of business development and having it's not really been in esports as such, but having that sort of option to take it into esports was one of the best things that I've ever done. Um, But taking it from a standpoint that looking at a business You've got many different routes that you can follow, which sometimes a lot of people don't see and don't utilize, especially with sort of um, the creative standpoint. We're working on three projects at the minute, which are heavily sort of based within the whole sort of esports dynamic of things. Um, Say, for instance, a a business wanted to take a sort of route down into eSports. There's a lot of opportunity, especially because eSports is growing so rapidly. You tend to see a lot of businesses now, such as KFC, such as uh, KitKat, for instance, Nestle. Loads of these businesses that don't typically associate themselves with eSports are now looking down that route of becoming associated some form of way with esports. And I think
1: Definitely.
2: having that sort of quote unquote diversity in your sort of tool belt allows a lot more sort of progress to be made within an org. Um Definitely. and for me joining Aura was one of those things where yes I've got experience in business development. I don't have much experience esports but having that sort of fresh pair of eyes allows a lot more business opportunity to come about um and i think touching back on what you guys have said especially with how media gets portrayed within esports i think it will have a lot of change in the upcoming years because a lot of people are now looking at esports photography and esports videography as a sort of crucial pivotal point where it's either make or break realistically um for an organization having quality production is one of the things that sets it apart from a a basement org to a, a high tier org realistically yeah um and i think especially at majors you've got a very sort of it's one of those things that players put on their sort of talent roster and say look we we won say for instance cwl and having that sort of media coverage for it allows them to go back to someone else and say look this is something that you know i've been really proud of this is a event which we absolutely smashed and having that production side of it makes it that more sort of aesthetical i suppose
1: yeah definitely
0: yeah i mean definitely um when you're talking about mainstream and stuff i think i think also when when you're an esport photographer and videographer i think it's a very good thing um to put on your cv as a whole because when you when you work when you work at um lands and events you've got to think how difficult it actually is to work in that environment because oh, gotcha. for example like when you work at um i don't know if you're working like let's say you're doing like an advert or something like that, you have everything in your disposable. You have the lights, you have everything. Yeah. But at an esport event, you have your camera, you have your mic. That's about it. That's you it. have yeah. to work with what you got. You gotta know how to work in low light. You really gotta know your camera settings to the T, because if you this sounds a bit technical for anyone who doesn't know about cameras but for example if you have a too high iso your picture or video is going to be grainy if you have too low shutter speed it's going to be blurry etc etc you gotta know how to use your camera and right so you did some work with kairos media and i -hmm. saw all these adverts about kfc console and all of this and i don't quite understand much about it but i know you did a lot of work on it if you want to explain a bit more on it
1: yeah, so I worked with Kairos as an account executive for the last five months. Um, I worked across three different accounts, which was Toby Gaming, KFC Gaming, as well as JBL Quantum. Um, so, with the KF console, it is a console, it does exist. Oh, it does. It does exist, it is real. Um, I have done the photography for the uh, initial console announcement and everything that we've seen now shared on the sun daily mail etc um i mean yeah it it was a project that was spoke about for a very long time across the community people wasn't sure whether it was real whether it was actually going to be produced but we kind of came out there and said hey it's real so that's that's where it's sat right now (laughs) so
0: it's a real so it's a real console so is it it ever going to be sold to the public or is it more of a joke thing i don't quite understand what it is I'm limited with what I can say. You're limited. <laughs> I see. No, that's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> no, we can move on. That's all right. If, but no, that's that's kind of interesting. Just to know that it's a real, it's a real thing. Because I thought it was more of a what do you call it, like a PR stunt sort of thing. Yeah. That's what I thought it was. But no,
1: it, it's kind it, of, exists. kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay. Right. So another question, which I I do ask to everyone because it's kind of interesting to see their backstory and stuff like that. um We'll start off with Charlotte again. Mm-hmm. So who are your main inspirations? Who's or like how do you start photography? Did anyone inspire you, etc.?
1: Oh this is a funny one. So um when I was a kid, my whole my father's side of the family are really like creative. Okay. And my dad can like draw, do things like that, but he really loved doing photography. Um he didn't really he tried to teach me when I was a kid, but I wasn't really interested in film cameras and things like that. So Blanks, who is the owner of Reason, asked me to do some photos for him at Epicland. God, this was 2017, maybe. i would never picked up a digital camera in my life. Oh, no. <laughs> so, and it just kind of, it, as weird as it sounds, it came natural to me. I I don't really know how it happened. i picked up the camera and knew what I was doing somehow. Um, I shot that LAN and I had a lot to learn off the back of that LAN regarding my editing, uh, settings, handling low light. And I kind of just progressed as I've gone along, um, and gained a lot of experience. So now I'm, I mean, I can hopefully say that I can normally get the shot I want first time, but it definitely took its time to get to that point. Um, but as for my photography inspirations, there's people like, uh, the American photographer, Brandon Waifel, obviously Joe Brady. Yeah, I'm very lucky to have like a personal connection with Brandon. Um, he's a great guy.
0: Oh, you know him personally?
1: Yeah, I do. I do. I'm
0: kind of jealous there. Okay. <laughs> he's one of my first ever inspirations as well. Funnily enough,
1: yeah, he's amazing. Um, yeah, and obviously Joe Brady and there's a guy called Callup. I don't know whether you're familiar with him on Instagram, but he does Callup. like um, he does like photography like he kind of makes it in photoshop he changes the whole photo and it's incredible like i would have like so a
0: comp a, a comp a composite i think a composite i think they're called
1: yeah something like that but yeah isn't.
0: no i know what you mean i've done it a few times not 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 probably knowing to that level but you know you take a nice photo and it's um for example overcast like hmm, i want a sunset here so you add a sunset i don't know that's the same thing
1: yeah very very similar
0: oh well, that's kind of cool um, I'm still kind of jealous that you know Brandon. I'm not gonna lie. To you. <laughs> you know, you should say you should message him. Say there's this really cool podcast. You know,
1: <laughs> you should come on the podcast. <laughs> oh,
0: imagine. All right, all right, that's kind of interesting. Is that um, any other inspirations you have, or are they your main inspirations?
1: They're my main inspirations, but I definitely take a lot of inspiration from any photography that I see. I can always take something away from someone else's photo and and find a way for that to inspire
2: me.
0: Okay, no, that's interesting. Um, Simo, do you have any inspirations? I know you're a photographer, but I'm not sure how long you've been doing it for.
2: Uh, yeah, so I started doing photography way back when when I first went to America, which was in 2013. Um, my family in America own a uh, business in photography where they go around schools and they do uh, yearly photos, prom photos. Uh, and when I was over there, I went to the studio that they worked from and that for me was a very sort of pinnacle point where I knew that photography was going to be something that I picked up for many years to come um especially with you know at that point it was sort of film cameras where they were kind of in the norm but they weren't um digital was becoming one of those mainstream devices um and, you know, I came back from America and the first thing that I asked for when I got back was, right, I want a camera so I can start doing what they do. Um And ever since, like, you know, I've took photos of people, of animals, of architecture. And it's a lot of my photography is one of those things that when you see a guy in his 50s, he's sort of like um euphorious let's say is the fact that he goes and fishes three times a week (laughs) like for me photography is one of those things that just allows me to kind of yeah. yeah it's a sort of way to express your creative self and there's a book which you know I read the first 20 pages of and felt inspired straight away it's creative calling um and that book especially it's a basically a guy that follows his sort of gut instinct about his creative sort of side and gave up his day job and is now working with massive brands like apple like nike and that all came from a gut feeling telling him that he was creative
1: yeah
2: okay there's a certain sort of Point where you can say that you're creative, but then maximising and sort of making something of that creativity is something that a lot of people tend not to do. Yeah,
0: totally agree.
2: Ultimately, in life, you've kind of got to have that creative spark to say, "Look, I'm in a point of life where yes, I could be doing something different, but I don't want to because typically, being creative, you have to go out of your comfort zone."
1: definitely 100
0: percent. yeah i couldn't agree with you anymore though yeah. definitely but yeah definitely the comfort zone part i know what you mean i mean before before i picked up a camera you know i was just a very very quiet kid doing some graphic designing weren't very good at graphic designing but and then all of a sudden i got messaged by well it went all of a sudden i i did do a bit of. i did like a year of just doing random photos and yeah. I pretty much got a message from um, uh, Alfie from London Esports. Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny because I can't remember the exact um, conversation or how it came because for some other reason, my old Twitter got banned for, for no reason. Um, <laughs> so I can't recover the messages. But I was—I already talked about this, but I like to talk about this again because I was just doing a little shoot for a barbers. You know, nothing special. It was probably my first ever video shoot. And... Yeah. Uh, Alfie pretty much messaged me to say, do you want to work at um, Epic Land 20... I don't know what one it was. It was like 2018 sometime. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I do photography and all of that. Um, he said, do you do video? And I pretty much said, I've genuinely shot one video in my entire life. He said, oh, you're hired. I'm like, what? <laughs> and like, I, I'm not even kidding. That was... It uh, uh, pushed me out of my comfort zone because not only... Did I have to do a video or a few videos, you know, uh, event captures? I do a bit of a f- few interviews of players. I had to travel from what my little town in Essex to bloody Kettering in Northamptonshire, yeah. and I've never traveled on my own apart from like holidays with family. So oh, wow. that pushed me out of my comfort zone. Um, was you there at um Epic Land? I don't know which one it was. Um, I was, yeah, I probably Oh, you was. was. <laughs> oh, I've so only so. oh i wouldn't have i wouldn't have known you then but um if you saw a little if you saw like a four foot kid with a camera that would probably be me hi
1: <laughs>
0: yeah i was with i was with the battalion team this is this when battalion blew up in the esports oh gosh, scene
1: yes i remember
0: that london won it did we win it no it went second no second place that's it but you
1: also shot with uh nadine and JCS girls, as well
0: didn't you i did yes that was a media day um <laughs> yeah that was a fun media day. Um, but yeah, that was with What was it? Yeah, we were shooting them too because they were getting introduced to London Esports. But also, I think it was a League of Legends roster. Um, we had this insane, like, I think he was like 14, 15. And he's like 15 years old and he was like challenge you on League. This, this kid was insane. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think he still competes now and I need to find his name. I'll add him in the tweet if I can figure out his name. Um, I've lost my train of thought where we was wait yeah a comfort zone that's it um that's a good question actually um to either of you um mm-hmm. is there has been any point that you've been really pushed outside your comfort zone
2: 100 percent. go on yeah definitely <laughs>
0: all right someone take the question go for it you go first tom
2: all right um being pushed out of my creatives uh, my comfort zone rather bloody hell there's been many a time um not in not only in sort of the creative field either like there's been times where your comfort zone is panicking when a situation arises where like you know you're responsible for someone else's well-being like before i started doing work in esports i worked heavily in sort of um learning disability support okay. um so i worked at a uh, company called signet where they sort of had i think it was about 11 residents um where we supported them to basically live on their own um it was a very sort of full-on role because most of them had sort of epilepsy so if you went out you were really responsible for that person's life and well-being so you know being pushed out of your comfort zone in that sense you are responsible for someone's lie, and you know that could go one of two ways like you could either freeze up and then that person's life is in jeopardy or you can remain calm yes you're outside of your comfort zone but whilst you're outside of that comfort zone you're still growing as a person you're still you're still exposing yourself to some something new which okay. ideally ultimately comes down to the idea that being outside of that comfort zone allows you to be a better version of yourself and that sort of that allows you to become the person that ultimately you want to be at the end of the day
0: damn sure. can't can't get pushed out uh, your comfort zone more than that wow that's a good <laughs> answer what about you Charlotte
1: um for me i mean it was definitely going from the smaller events such as like epic land insomnia to shooting the bigger events i think it's a whole different at Ella Fish. You've oh, really is. got to know your limits with where you can go and how to get these shots, because as we were speaking about previously, you can be very limited. It's also dealing with crowds and things like that. It's, it's a very different field when you get into the bigger events. You have to learn so much more.
0: I think your time speak. management has to be on point exactly. on the events. I mean, Epic Land was fine because you had your team, you know, you worked for an organisation. And they may have had multiple teams, but they didn't move. Yeah. They stayed at their spot throughout the entire event, which was great. Exactly. But bloody CDL London, every match your team moved from one bloody section to another, and you had to yep. you know take the photos, you had to sprint back to the media room, dump it all in your computer, sprint back to the. Oh, it was it was stressful, very stressful, yep. especially for <laughs> my first ever bloody event in like a year. That was fun, but I had to go. <laughs> ho- I had to go home a day. Actually, that's the point, I only spent one day there. Um, because of because of the storm that you remember that massive storm that was coming over.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. had to
0: go home a day early I'm not gonna go fully in depth in this because I've already said about this about uh, struggles I've had with an organisation, but yeah, I had to go home a day early because of that, and then I had massive, massive problems with an organisation was not very happy about it. But oh, you know, yeah. I prefer to get home because <laughs> if, I didn't, if I didn't go home, I would have missed what because I was still in college at that point. So if I didn't go home, I would have been in London, stuck in London for at least three more days. Couldn't oh afford boy. that. They would refuse yeah. to pay for my hotels anyway. So I'm like, what's the point? So yeah, that was um, that was fun. And yeah. yeah.
1: You definitely always have to put your well-being first with these things.
2: Yeah, 100%.
0: Um, So yeah, going back on, I think something you said, Simo, you were saying a lot about being a creative and getting pushed out of your comfort zone and everything. And you were saying about being a creative you do have to like push your limits and i think i think everyone everyone at a certain point i've noticed this at my age group because you know i think i'm definitely the youngest here and i'm still technically a child but (laughs) you know 18 but whatever but i've noticed when you're like 16 17 every single person has what i call a photography phase i've noticed this yes Um, everyone has this (laughs) photography phase which fair enough i think everyone should experience what it's like but I don't think enough people uh, fully commit to it or they go into it and don't realize how much work it is being a photographer. Agreed. And I've, no- I've noticed, so w- what will happen is they'll open an Instagram account. They'll have their first name underscore photography. You know, they'll feel they'll feel great about yeah. it. And they will take about five photos of flowers. That's it.
1: Yeah, yeah and then just leave that. That'll be
0: it and they'll be done. And I'm like... Oh, I mean, everyone's. I, I, I'm the exact same. My first ever photo, which I'm kind of proud of, because I don't think I could capture it today. It was so lucky. My first ever photo was with a a Canon 1200D, I think it was, and I took a photo of this bee perfectly on this flower. I love it. It's yeah. my best ever photo, right? But and then it just sort of inspired me to, to keep to keep on pushing my limits, and I, I think it's. I think just many people don't do that. And I think the amount of photographers, the hundreds and thousands of photographers we could have if that person didn't give up.
1: Definitely. People give up way too soon.
2: I think a lot of people believe that you have to have really expensive equipment to be a really good photographer. You don't. No, you don't. I took a photo, which I will hands down say is one of my best ever photos of a Robin mid-flight on a feeder. I took that on a 1200D and, you know, like, That for me, yeah, I sat around for two and a half hours waiting for that shot. But at the end of the day, that was on a probably about 200 pound camera, which, you know, that's lasted me for, I think it lasted me for about six years, that camera. Yeah. And so, yes, there's a lot of creative potential, but a lot of people have this sort of consensus that you need a 1dx mark ii or you need a 5d mark 4 to be quote-unquote a classic photographer you don't you just need no, of not. a creative eye for the thing that you're your subject essentially like there's no harm in picking up a really really entry-level f- like camera and just yeah. going around your local park like yes there's not going to be a lion there but there's going <laughs> to be something there that allows you to produce a creative piece of work
1: definitely I mean you can even you can even go out and buy a disposable camera and you'll still catch some amazing photos on those
0: oh you would and I think what people need to realize is I, I've noticed as well because I'm part of a lot of the local photography groups on my Facebook page and I see yeah. a lot of people joining and they're very new to photography and they've clearly got some disposable income because I noticed though so, they've not taken a single photograph in their life and i saw this person had literally bought a 5d mark IV and a 50 millimeter 1.2 l series i was like are you kidding so the difference is uh, i've seen these videos all the time it's a very good example of what you just said Simo. um i think the best example would be their filmmaking channel called full-time filmmaker and the best example is when one of the instructors um is using a canon 200d and and the new person is using a red weapon so if you guys don't know what a red weapon is it's a cinema camera it's what they use in netflix productions right so a fifty pound camera and what it shows is it doesn't matter what you have equipment wise it matters all the skill you have the creativity you have now don't get me wrong an expensive camera has its benefits however those benefits are only ever going to help you if you know what you're doing so All of of us professional photographers have started from the bottom with bottom-end gear and we've built ourselves up and we know how to use these cameras. And that's why you see photographers like Joe Brady, who I think still uses the Mark IV. And the reason he has that is because he has started with beginner cameras and he mastered those cameras and then he gets a new camera and knows what to do with it. Now, if you're a beginner photographer and you go straight for a 5D Mark IV, or something like that. You're never going to get the benefits of a camera like that because you don't know how to use it.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: And yeah, like what um what camera do you have, Charlotte? I don't think I um, have.
1: <laughs> I now have a Canon 6D, and my main lens is a 24
0: to 70 2.8. Ooh, two um Canon users. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, it.
1: but my original camera was a Canon. I think it was a Canon T3I.
0: Oh god, what that's Canon? the Ameri- that's the American name. What's the? Yeah, ac- so uh, what Canon six hundred is the UK six hundred. that's it. Yeah, yeah I, I love Canon. I used to use Canon for like two and a half years. I've switched to an A seven Mark three now, and yes, that probably goes against what I was saying about not having a good camera. But eventually, you do upgrade because, I mean, Definitely. I mean, you know, I, I shot my first, I shot my first ever eSport event on a five D Mark three, which is actually really cheap for the quality like it's a full frame camera and you can oh, yeah. get it for like 300 pounds now um then i shot the cdl london on a uh, on a canon 80d and i honestly mm-hmm. if anyone's looking for a crop center camera the canon 80d is quality my favorite ever camera um
1: it's yeah, a good
0: one it is you know i've I've never shot an event on a full like a proper new full frame camera before and it shows you don't need expensive gear
1: yeah. i
0: think my only lens i've ever used at an event is a 51.8 uh, a okay. 100 pound 100 pound lens nifty 50 you know yep. one of the best ever lenses ever created and i honestly think you can do anything with a, with a cheap set of gear
1: definitely i mean i still use my my 50 mill as well i use it for all my portraits and up places at lands and things like that you can't go wrong with it
0: no you can't i mean i'm see i i built all my lenses up eventually on my canon so i use a 50 mil then I had a twenty-four to seventy two point eight. I had a few good lenses. In about a month after I switched to Sony, so yes, I have you know a very good camera, but I'm still using bottom of the barrel lenses. And yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, it, there's there's definitely struggles using cheaper lenses in dark or lack of light. But, you know, I won't definitely. get too much into that because this isn't a technical podcast. I don't want to bore people with camera settings, even though I could <laughs> talk about them all day quite easily, but. Yeah, I don't think I don't think people need to stop thinking that they need amazing, amazing yeah, gear. Right. There's plenty of videos on YouTube that I've. That it stuns me to this day that an iPhone 12 can rival a cinema camera video. Like Definitely. I say, I say rival. There's obviously massive setbacks, but for everyday sort of video like outside recording, a uh, professional filmmakers couldn't tell which one was which it was at that that's how good phones are getting so literally all you got to do is pick up your phone and go and take some photos or go and take some videos you know
1: exactly you don't need to invest in a camera if you if you're interested in photography you can literally walk outside with your phone and you'll get some amazing results
0: yeah if you i mean another another thing that it kind of annoys me now looking looking at it because i've noticed this is a thing so back when i started photography obviously i didn't know that there was well obviously I knew but it didn't really um click but I didn't do photography because I wanted to be a professional at the end of the like at the end yeah. I I did photography because I loved I love taking photos I love editing you know I love expressing my creativity but nowadays a lot of people are going into photography for money and like oh, not definitely. even not even for the creative part of it and I don't think that's what you should go into it for no I mean if you look back on professional photographers, like Brandon Woffel is a good example of this. He's one of the most creative portrait photographers I've ever seen.
1: Definitely. He's an incredible He's incredible.
0: He's. I've got a few shots from like two years ago, you know, that I, I, I've attempted to do his shots with like all the um, fairy lights and stuff. No one near yeah. as good as these ones, don't get me wrong. But I think you need an interest in photography, not an interest in the money side of it, because that does annoy exactly. me nowadays, is seeing people interested thing- in it.
1: The thing is, as well, if you if you go into it for money, people can tell that from looking at your photos. Because oh, with a photo, if you're not feeling it, um, you won't produce good photos. You have to be in the right mindset to produce good photos.
0: Oh, definitely. No, no, without a doubt. So I'm going to... So is there any other question you guys want to ask? Because I've, that's all my question's done. No,
1: that's all
0: good. I'm good. You're good, yeah? All right, I'll just cut this back out and end here then, because I don't, I, I don't have anything else on this. So you guys got nothing that else you want to add or mention no. or anything? Not no, really? all right. No, you're good. All right, great. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening to the sixth episode of the Creative Podcast. Again, my guests have been Simo and Charlotte. Thank you very much for um, being guests on this podcast. Uh, very much appreciated.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, the next episode will be God knows when, guys. It depends when I can do it. So thank you very much for listening.